0: I think I, I think someone instilled patriotism in me wrong. <laughs> like it's kind of there but it, it's ca- sort of like they they misthreaded the screw or something. <laughs> and I just have like little I like phrases. I how
1: instilled and installed are interchangeable in that sentence. Oh, pretty good.
0: <laughs> how do you know. She told me she loves me. But I- Oh boy, it's the Doom to Fail Podcast. My name is Tim Dobbs, and I'm here to have a nice little chat with you. And with me, as ever, through the magic of the internet, she loves to drink orange juice. It's Catherine Cogart.
1: It's good to be here.
0: How much do you like orange juice?
1: I don't like it at all, actually. Oh, that's interesting. More of an apple juice girl. Apple juice? Really? However, I prefer oranges to apples, so riddle me that, Batman.
0: Well, we're just comparing apples and oranges here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, plenty <me> off. <laughs> hey, as uh, regular listeners of the Doom to Fail podcast know, we have a lot of different mini series, and we like to stroll through those mini series like Sunday in the Park, and we have nowhere in particular to be. And once we find a good one, we'll, we'll sit down in the shade and really have a good think about our life. Does any of this starting to make sense? I don't know. It never does. Anyway. <laughs> one of our one of our series that we often like to cover. They're all our favorites, is US Cities. The heart of America's in US Cities. And this week, we'll be talking about Catherine, which US City?
1: Las Vegas. I like to call it Lost Wages. <laughs>
0: Oh, maestro, play me off. (laughs) (laughs) Today's,
1: this week's theme, bad jokes.
0: (laughs) Hey, uh, and in general, uh, every week's theme, how do you know by Blamos? Ha, you (laughs) thought we forgot. Oh my gosh, that
1: was great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Blamos, guys, you thought we forgot. Nope, (laughs) we still think they're great. So, Catherine.
1: Tim. As you
0: may know. I've recently uprooted my family in the 1800s and have departed from Independence, Missouri, headed west. Okay. Okay. I've loaded up on uh, lots of bullets to play the little bison shooting minigame, and um, I recently stepped in a hole and broke my ankle, which really just set me back. It's true. But having <laughs> forded all the rivers... Um, Ballsy. I don't particularly want to stay on this northern trail that many other people have taken. Is there a place going west that's sort of on a southern route? Stay with me. Th- that I can stop.
1: Yes, there is. Um, it's pretty small. I hope you're okay with that. It mm-hmm. might be a little bit drier than you're used to in New England. I hope you're okay with that.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I'll just I'll just do what I've been doing since I moved out of New England, which is moving there and then just complaining about all the tiny little differences. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, this is perfect for you, then. I suggest that you and your family, especially your daughter who has dysentery, move to Las Vegas. Which Hmm. is actually situated in the Mojave Desert, just east of the Spring Mountains.
0: The Spring Mountains. Yes. That's, uh... Does anyone know where those are? Where are those?
1: So if you picture Nevada as a state, um, Las Vegas is at the very pointy tip. Where it all comes together in the South, that's where the Spring Mountains are. Got it. But I mean, the Spring Mountains are important because they're what they're they're what's making Las Vegas a desert, right? Because that's how deserts work.
0: Is that right? Yeah, yep. you have okay.
1: mountains, and then there's they just suck up all the water as water moves across it, and then dry.
0: Wait, wait. We have to have meteorological minute here. Mountains suck up all the water across.
1: I honestly just know that that's the setup for desert is that you have mountains and then nothing for a while. Like flatlands for a while. I don't really know why.
0: Well, fine. So <laughs> that's uh, this this brings it in to Meteorological Minute with Catherine. So we're in the desert. And uh, and that means that we don't get a lot of rain, that's correct, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That is correct.
0: Four and a half inches on average, which is which is pretty low i mean you kind of have to have some sort of scale to compare with i mean so if we compare it to los angeles which already is sort of deserty and has some water issues uh los angeles gets three times that much rain san francisco gets five times that much rain and new york the wettest on this short list gets <laughs> 10 times that much rain
1: and these are places that we don't necessarily think of as being like super lush and watery
0: agreed i i don't think i've ever heard of new york with an issue but but san francisco and la both uh they have Water is one of the main discussions that goes on mm-hmm. when you talk about how do you supply this populace with, with all the resources they need.
1: It's true.
0: And speaking of, if you listen back to... Way back to our episode on San Francisco, you know that San Francisco had some serious water issues. That's true. still kind of does. I, yeah. I, I've, I've been good so far in not, not talking about my pet peeve with San Francisco and their water. But Las Vegas clearly has a lot more of these yeah. concerns, correct?
1: Exactly. In fact, the this is the water thing is such an issue that the city is actually paying residents to replace like a square foot of grass with gravel. <laughs> and it's not just like chump change like you get like what is it like 5 cents for a can in Missouri or something. What? It's not like that.
0: Oh, oh wait. Wait. Do you not have uh is there no recycling in Washington state? Or no um
1: is there no recycling in Washington state?
0: Yeah, yeah. Does yeah. no one pay you for it. There's no can return? No. Oh. Man, that's so weird. At
1: least I don't think so.
0: That's that that was a thing my mom used to do growing up uh growing up in New England. It's 5 cents per can. And right. so whenever she see a can on the street, she'd go, "There's a nickel."
1: <laughs> so every time you see a patch of grass, you could say there's a dollar fifty,
0: which doesn't have the same ring to it, but you know it's it's better money, so
1: yes, so it makes up for it
0: <laughs> <laughs> on a practical level, poetically not as good <laughs> but 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 a square foot,
1: okay, so I would say my apartment is around a thousand square feet i so I would say a lawn would be maybe like five hundred square feet,
0: depending on the lawn, but yeah, I can buy that no that wouldn't be like a big suburban lawn, that would be more of a
1: no. Though those, yeah, would, they do have those. There are some big suburban lawns in Vegas.
0: Uh, hmm. Well, anyway, I mean, even at 500 I mean, you're still talking $750, right? Yeah. That's... Pretty that's good.
1: nothing to scoff at.
0: Anyway. Yeah. Uh, which is actually, it's it's not a bad idea. We have a, a real obsession with, with grass on our lawns, but there's no real reason that we have to have grass, right? No. I mean,
1: no, not at all.
0: I mean, that's, that's pretty solid, and it would, it would probably save a lot of water, actually.
1: Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, to me, this whole water issue makes Vegas really bewildering, because, I mean, not only do you have a big water shortage, and it doesn't have enough water to supply the people there, and not even to mention the tourist trade that comes through and how much water that uses, but also the population of Vegas has been growing and booming in the past few decades.
0: Yeah, I've heard this. Uh, Las Vegas is one of the fastest growing cities, actually, right?
1: It's true. They've got about two million people in, like, greater Las Vegas area. It's a lot
0: of people. It's a whole lot, lot of people. people.
1: So there's two questions that I want to answer here. First of all, why would you bother settling in a place that has no water? And second of all, once you have no water, why would people keep moving there?
0: Hmm. Is this something we should answer after a break? Let's do it. And we'll be right back the Doom to Fail podcast. Hey, we're back. It's the Doom to Fail podcast. Catherine and Tim talking about... Las Vegas. So before the break, you asked, well, why would you bother settling a place like this? It's got to have something to do with water, right? Mm -hmm. We're coming across. I'm I'm in my little covered wagon. And there's got to be some reason for me to stop here.
1: In fact, there was, Tim. So you're going through the Mojave Desert. And originally, what would be Vegas was actually an oasis in the Mojave Desert. Mm. So nearby, you have what would become Lake Mead. And you have a complex sort of geological figures underneath what would be Vegas. And this leads to natural springs of art- artesian water.
0: Ooh, fancy. We should bottle that.
1: <laughs> it sounds like a really fancy word, right? And I'm always yeah. like, Oh, artisan water. Oh my.
0: <laughs> that means that there's a man like, uh, just chipping away at it. It's, it's, it's well crafted, right? Who
1: made this water? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, he's an
0: artist. He's from Canada. You wouldn't know him but <laughs> he's it's incredible. We're gonna have a fundraiser for him
1: <laughs> um yeah i I looked up what artesian water is, so I could know for once and for all and it's actually just water from a spring because there's uh positive pressure on groundwater, which was so disappointing.
0: at any rate. That, uh, so, so now that means that we didn't pump it out, which means the water was just kind of up there and someone coming out West would go, Hey, I'm thirsty. Exactly. As they, as they often said in the parlance of the day, Hey, I'm thirsty. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, and so this sort of oasis quality makes Vegas a natural waypoint for visitors who are going out West, either to settle with their family or maybe their missionaries, so. It's just a natural stopping point, especially for the gold rush.
0: Hmm. Wait, for the gold rush, really? Because it's, it's it's too far south for the gold rush, really.
1: Yeah, Isn't but you're it? coming out from, like, I don't know, Ohio or something. And so you're heading to California for the California gold rush. Right. Vegas but the California the
0: gold rush happened in the Northern California area, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay, maybe you come from, like, Texas or something. I don't know. Maybe Virginia.
0: What? <laughs> I don't or Florida.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you're Mexican. I don't know. So this reputation for as a waypoint um, begins Vegas's reputation as not a town that you live in, but a town that you come to visit.
0: Oh yeah, that's. I think that's really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just historically, it's just a, a stopover. Right. I guess we see this in a lot of deserts in general, because no one really wants to hang out there.
1: Well, huh? What do you mean? Elaborate on that
0: This is um, a common thing I'm just thinking of North Africa Okay. So if you're on the, the, the northern coast of Africa There's a lot mm-hmm. going on there You know, Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria all, right. you know, There's, there's right. cities there A lot of trade, it makes sense Then if you go to sub-Saharan Africa Well, I mean, there's stuff down there too A lot of resources, a lot of uh, things For European countries to um, Take advantage of Perhaps To ruin <laughs> but much of <laughs> political in here <laughs> that's right, I'm taking a stand against Belgium in the eighteen <laughs> hundreds <laughs> but but, but much of the Sahara, I mean it's a huge desert with just like you know you picture like those Lawrence of Arabia just dunes, like there's just sand and nothing else, so there's all these little oases, and that's that's where many sort of important cities are, and they become important only because it's just um. Think of it this way: It's if if we take uh, a city that is important because it sits on a river, and you know it's sort of just a a stopping point on the river, it becomes important because the flow of traffic goes through there. Right. If you were to take the draw the shortest line between you know an important trading post in Morocco and an important trading post in eh, I don't know somewhere in Sub-Saharan Africa. Really not good at African (laughs) geography. Then that is essentially a river because the shortest direct route is the way everyone will go. And well, so aren't
1: then. There, wouldn't you deviate a little bit to hit an oasis here and there?
0: Well, a little bit, but just a little bit because you can't really afford to go way out the way. So the, these oases sort of act as like points on, on sort of a virtual river of right. going over the desert.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. That's a good way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but we could think of Vegas as the same thing, right? If you were to draw your, your sort of virtual rivers through the Mojave Desert, you've got certain mountains you have to get around and then. Vegas as an oasis just becomes a, uh, it's a port on a virtual river.
1: It's true. I like that. Um, So then we get into the settling of Vegas, um, which is a pretty standard story. I don't really want to get into it too much, but we all know the tale. Settlers meet land, land meets missionaries, in this case, Mormon missionaries. Natives meet their deaths, and whites take over. And that's the story of settling a land. (laughs) sad as it is
0: it's a very western thing we should do some more eastern cities but that's a very uh boy you're totally right that is pretty much the story of anything west of denver
1: yeah (laughs) seriously i got sick of that story i think third grade (laughs) anyhow um in this case the characters are rafael riviera and john c fremont as in the famous fremont street is that Vegas. famous?
0: You're going to have to help me out here. Is that a famous street in Las Vegas? Yeah,
1: it intersects Las Vegas Boulevard, which is the Strip. Um, okay. So that's kind of a famous intersection downtown. So in this case, the characters are Raphael Riviere and John C. Fremont. The Mormons are William Ringhurst, and the natives are the... Jute. That's how you say that. jute.
0: So then Las Vegas starts to grow in size after it's its sort of general founding slash uh, uh, proselytizing slash genociding and one of the things that really helps out here is the railroads get put into place, which again makes sense i mean so if if one virtual river is thirst then another is mountains and railroad construction right and so the railroads go in place because it's just sort of a If you ever take a look at a map of interstate freeways, you can see that they all sort of dive under the Sierra Nevada, and in order to do that, they tend to pass through Las Vegas. And I would imagine the railroads would do the same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Population really starts to boom at this point. So we're talking from 5,000 people before the Hoover Dam was constructed, which was another major point in Vegas' history.
0: What what year are we talking about right now? When was the Hoover Dam constructed?
1: 1933. No, no, no. 1931. I'm sorry. 1931.
0: Really? Huh. It was a Great Depression project?
1: Yes. But also it came out of necessity, right? Because you have seven states sharing the Colorado River. And they need a better way to regulate it.
0: It's always coming back to water, isn't it?
1: Mm, It always comes back to water. Hmm. But once you start Hoover Dam construction, you have 25,000 people from 5,000 people before. And one interesting note here is today the population is nearly 2 million but they're still legally allocated the same amount of water that they were back then. What? Yeah, isn't that weird?
0: That's super weird. Yeah. But So, how is that possible, though? Because we're talking about from 25,000 to 2 million. I mean, that's a factor of 100? Uh, quick, quick. Yeah, about 100.
1: About 100. Um...
0: So, now, when I previously had, you know, I don't know, enough water for me and my family and my oxen... I now basically have enough water for me for one month. Like, yeah.
1: Well, there was enough water for everyone before, but now you have strict, like, watering rules. I mean, all the fountains use gray water, which, for those who don't know, is sort of just like semi-recycled water so that you can get it in and out quicker.
0: Yeah, it's like the, I don't know, what, stuff that goes down a sink or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's not poisonous, it's just you probably don't want to drink it.
1: And note that I said they're legally allowed the same amount of water.
0: Is there, like, a whole water black market?
1: I have no idea. It's, that's what a black market is. People don't know about it. <laughs> but I have a suspicion there's some interesting dealings happening. So, I mean, Tim, you're right here. The demand for water is going up and the supply is staying the same. And there's something weird about that. But even so, why do people keep moving there if there's such a water issue? They
0: like showgirls?
1: Something
0: like that. And speaking of showgirls, it's time for a showgirl break. da 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 to fail. Oh boy! Hey, that was the Doom to Fail singers, everybody. How about a round of applause? Yay! All right.
1: How did you find so many people who sound like you, Tim?
0: <laughs> uh I keep them all in my closet. <laughs> Boy, you should you do not want to visit the the Tim Dobbs compound here. It's <laughs> it is unpleasant. Really makes you think about your humanity.
1: Your Tim Dobbs city.
0: Tim Dobbs City. That's pretty good.
1: Pretty sure that's a Cirque du Soleil show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 now it is. <laughs> Now it is. <laughs> so speaking of Cirque du Soleil, the New Fil singers, uh, all this other very serious business. This is this is Las Vegas, right? That's that's why we're in this sort of zone. Totally correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, when did that happen?
1: Well, I mean, the truth is, it all started because of the Hoover Dam. I mean, so you have ten thousand men who are pouring into your city most of whom don't have families. And Las Vegas, business owners, Mormon missionaries, everybody, saw this as a huge opportunity, a market that they could capitalize on.
0: Hmm. Can we think of any other, uh, real quick, can we think of any other cities like this? There's an industrial reason for something to be there, and then everything else sort of moves in the back.
1: Industrial. I can only
0: think of sort of gold rush towns, which sort of turn into ghost towns. They they never flourished after that. But, I mean, can you think of any other place that's currently, like, a big deal city? I can't.
1: Well, I think that's interesting because there are some key things that keep Las Vegas on the map.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: For example, it's not when Hoover Dam, well, we'll talk about it later, but just to say something now, when Hoover Dam people leave, they're going back, they're spreading out all over the country. It's like they all come together and then they all spread out.
0: Cross-pollination.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they're, like... Vegas is awesome, and then they go home and they tell everybody that Vegas is awesome. Pretty good. Yeah. So they decide to promote a gaming industry to entertain Hoover Dam workers.
0: Who's who's doing this? The government? The Hoover Dam uh, people?
1: Mostly small Las Vegas business owners see it as an opportunity. But, so it gets interesting because this all lines up about at the end of Prohibition. Um, so, which is in 1933. And Hoover Dam construction begins in 1931 and ends in 1936. So it's right in that time.
0: And those guys were obviously drinking a whole hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In
0: 1931. I Um, mean, guys don't go out into the desert with no families and then just be like, well, do you want to knit? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, exactly. So those who were benefiting from Prohibition are looking to sort of diversify their markets a little bit. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. And they smell money. And they, in this case, are mobsters.
0: Right. (laughs) So Prohibition promotes the mob. The mob supplies this group of dudes out in the desert who want to uh, have a good time and hate knitting. And (laughs) then Prohibition ends and that source of income is not nearly as as profitable as it used to be. And so the mob tries to diversify. Exactly. That that storyline makes sense? Cool.
1: Totally. Nice. Um, So... I mean, probably the most famous mobster who was in Las Vegas is Bugsy Siegel, and he founded the famous Flamingo Hotel. So these hotels serve to pamper Hoover Dam workers, but they also serve to provide a respite from the harsh Western landscape they're working in because, and here's where the Flamingo Hotel is different from ye olde saloon that these people are used to hanging out in or people who work in the West are used to having.
0: Sure, the, the, the classic place with the swingy doors and, yes. uh, the guy playing the piano and.
1: Exactly. Bugsy's like, we are not doing a western theme. I do not want a western theme. I want to go classy. So once the Hoover Dam is complete, these guys go back home and then tell all their friends about how great Vegas was. And by this time, other mob syndicates are moving in as well. However, the mob eventually loses control of these casinos in, 19- in the 1950s when the federal government takes control of gaming. However, at this point, the gaming industry has been well established in Vegas, so it's not going away.
0: Okay, I buy that. So so now we've set up Las Vegas with two big resources. Right. Water, which initially drew everyone in, and fun.
1: Fun. Okay, and
0: then so there, I mean, it's it's really just a pretty natural growth from there, right? I mean, yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s, onward.
1: Well, I think, like, the 50s, 60s is kind of natural growth. And then the 70s, you get these big mega resorts. People like Steve Wynn start financing these huge theme hotels, the ones we think of today when we think of Las Vegas. Ones with, like, Eiffel Towers and, like, big Venetian gondola rides and stuff like oh, that.
0: Oh, and, like, roller coasters that go on the roof and stuff.
1: Yeah, but I I couldn't find a good reason why... why in the 70s did we start thinking about mega resorts
0: oh but i think that makes a lot of sense okay so las vegas is a oasis in itself so it's it sort of has to be self-contained by that definition and then so it makes sense to to sort of have these mega resorts be self-contained in of themselves because there's nothing else really going on there's no like Oh, well, I'll provide the bedding and everyone else will provide the entertainment. It's right. like, well, we have to provide everything because, I mean, and the, I don't know. To me, that makes total sense. Like how, why you would develop it that way. Okay. Okay. And then again, this is, this is something that uh, urban design people will, will harp on endlessly, but the sprawl is, is, is massive in Vegas. And I think that's just because land, land is so cheap. Right. So, like, if I want to develop a mega resort in Miami, it's going to be a little more challenging. Yeah. Exactly. You know.
1: And I mean, there's still more room to build more mega resorts. That's the thing about <laughs> Vegas. You can just keep going down the strip. There's more room there. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I drove through there once and I was sort of surprised by the strip only in that. Yeah, it just kind of seems to end. And I mean, the road keeps going, right? Am <laughs> yeah. I misremembering this?
1: It's just no, kind of yeah. like, hey, we
0: built in some extra space. <laughs> Well, okay, so do we, do we have a good stock guys thesis here?
1: Okay. My feeling is that this is an area where the government has been very, like the federal government has been very involved in it. For example, like the federal government taking control of casinos, that was mostly because of Vegas. The Hoover Dam project affected Vegas greatly, and so that was the whole reason that Vegas kind of boomed. And then you also have atomic bond best- testing in that area. So the federal government mm-hmm. and Vegas are pretty tight like they know each other pretty well. And so I think because of that there's sort of a national collective ownership of Vegas.
0: Do you think do you think it's fair to actually call Las Vegas uh almost it's it's almost like a national park, isn't it? Cuz it's this weird thing where the government, you know, has these sort of projects put in and instead of like we said instead of like natural beauty like uh oh this amazing gorge or something, it's, you know, gaming oh. and and the like
1: You know, I don't think that's totally fair because, I mean, because it is a gaming industry. There are a lot of people who live there and there are a lot of people who call it home and say, I'm a Las Vegan. Like, that's my identity.
0: Do you know people who who identify like, I'm a Las Vegan?
1: Oh, yeah. Corey. Yeah, he was super proud of it. He told me stories about how he would go longboarding down the Wash, which was just a dried out tunnel where water would flow down if it rained really hard.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: and it's like, that's his childhood. His memories are of Vegas. He like went to prom night dinner on the strip and like that was his identity. And he's really proud of that.
0: Well, to sum it up then, would you visit? You want to live there? What do you think?
1: I would visit every year for a good five years, I think. And then I would get bored of it. Hmm. But I would never live there.
0: Never. <laughs> Why not?
1: Um, it's too hot. <laughs> it's really <laughs> sprawling. So hot. It's, it's really not that walkable. It's difficult to get around.
0: Yeah, I don't know, it this weird, like, uh, amusement park connotation with I think a lot of people who don't live there. Like, I, I'm about five-hour drive from there, and so people seem to like to put together, you know, let's go for the weekend, about once a year, maybe twice a year. And then after that, they're like, ugh, no, that's plenty. So I wouldn't... I guess I should probably visit once beyond just driving through.
1: You know what we should do? We should meet in Vegas sometime.
0: Hmm. Okay, so I think we... Oh, we came around best we can, don't you think? For I think for so. Las Vegas. I agree. Any any further comments or discussion is always welcome. These cities are so big and Las Vegas is so sprawly. Boy, there's always just a lot to talk about, and I always find out interesting things talking to people about these cities after we do the episodes. But uh yeah. That was the Doom to Fail Podcast for this week. Join us next week when we'll be talking about unique instruments. Specifically we'll be talking about covers so we'll be talking about uh, one song that's covered in many different ways with unique instrumentation
1: yes it's gonna be a blast you excited i'm so excited
0: Uh, i'm still coming down off my excitement from las vegas and now i have to ramp right back up to this unique instrumentation show. i'm
1: just a steady line of pure excitement for this podcast
0: that's such a boring roller coaster and we will see you next week Hopefully by then you'll have had a great week. Maybe you'll have enjoyed some nice spring weather. It's gonna be about that time. Until then, that's Catherine Cogan over there.
1: And Tim Dobbs over here. Bye. 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 Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. She sees what she wants to see. Bye bye. This episode of the Doom to Fail podcast featured music by, appropriately enough, Las Vegas. That's all one word, all caps. Additional music was provided by the Doom to Fail singers, who have created one of the worst songs in recent memory. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can look us up on iTunes, or visit us at doom And We really should just listen to that song one more time.
1: Okay, see you soon. (laughs)